0: Thank you for downloading the PR Week, PR Week's weekly podcast. For more podcasts as well as breaking news, visit PRweek.com. Thank you for downloading the PR Week, PR Week's weekly podcast. For more podcasts as well as breaking news, visit PRweek.com.
1: Hello and welcome to PR Week, PR Week's regular weekly roundup of everything that matters in the worlds of PR and communications. My name is Steve Barrett the Editorial Director of PR Week, going to guide you through this week's show. Really pleased to have Julie Miller with us, who's the SVP and CCO at Ancestry. Welcome to the show, Julie. Great to have you on board.
0: Thank you so much for having me, Steve. It's great to have a chance to talk with you today.
1: Yeah, we're really looking forward to digging into uh, what you've been up to in lockdown. You were our Campaign of the Year winner last year for the Railroad Ties. A campaign. So uh, looking forward to finding out more about that. And then we'll uh, go have a look at uh, lots of current news and uh, topics with Frank Washcook, who's our uh, executive editor. How are you doing, Frank?
2: I'm doing OK. Thanks for having me on, Steve.
1: Another busy week this week. And uh, the year is well and truly up and running, isn't it?
2: It really is. No uh, no easy start to the year this time, for no, sure. No
1: rest for the wicked. So, uh, yeah, lots to get into. So, let's start with you, Julie. Um, first of all, you've been in the job about 18 months, I guess, joined in August of 19. And yeah. um, after a long stint at Intuit, the, um, I think you were there around 19 years. So, tell us how you've settled into the role. And clearly... Most of the time you've been in lockdown, I guess, and and working from home (laughs) or remotely.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it was an amazing experience to have, you know, almost two decades uh, into it. It's uh, most of that time for me was with the company's TurboTax business, an amazing franchise. Um, And then moving to uh, Ancestry uh, was just, you know, has been an incredible gift the company has uh, just an amazing opportunity to step to tell emotional, meaningful stories for people, and it has a, a you know a real impact on the world. And so it has been a great ride. Uh, certainly, 2020 was um, a year I think when the work we do as communicators was so incredibly important. It was certainly the year of employee communications. Everybody I speak to in the work that I do, you know, that was front and center as um, as companies tried to figure out how to, you know, engage a remote workforce for the first time at scale. Um, so it has been a lot of learning for me. Uh, went from a public company to private equity, which is its own uh, rodeo.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Yeah, we had uh, Corey Dubrowa from Google on last week, and he was saying the same thing about employee engagement, how much of his time is taken up by that now and how important it is for sure. So yeah, um, good point on that. And uh, of course, you won campaign campaign of the year at the PR Week Awards, Hmm. the Oscars of the PR industry for railroad ties. That was all about tracing the lineage of descendants Hmm. of fugitive slaves and abolitionists. And that really was a great example of the type of work you're doing, telling stories through data and really uh, do it, telling more inclusive stories as well. So how are you going to build on that? That was such a great piece of work and uh, multi-award winning. I think it won a Brand Film Award for us as well. How are you going to build on that?
0: Well, first, thank you. Um, huge shout out <clears throat> excuse me, to the team. That work was done before I joined the company. And um the team that um ideated and, and brought that campaign to life at Ancestry and at Weber did such an amazing job. That is, you know, really a a Herculean task to tell that story with empathy and to find a way to bring it to life, uh for you know to really honor the the abolitionists and, and people who enabled the Underground Railroad. Um, and I, I think what it did for, for us was really set an incredibly high bar for how we want to show up in the market and the stories we want to tell um, and how we think about being more inclusive, um, not just in a moment in time it's you know we coming up to february it's black history month in the united states and also in canada we see our responsibility really as doing that inclusive storytelling year-round and using our you know 26 billion records to help tell those stories um, and to help make history more relevant and so people can find their place in history uh, this year, in 2020, uh, was the um, 100th anniversary of the 19th Amendment, women's right to vote. Uh, and we did an amazing campaign around the suffragist movement and enabled people to come to Ancestry and find the first woman to vote who voted in their family. What we learned through that was that you know history is complex. And while 100 years ago, white women were given the right to vote, black women were not, and people of color were not. And so as we go through this and we tell these stories, we get, I think, so much smarter and are continuing to think about You know what history has to teach us and what voices aren't being heard and what we can do to amplify those voices in a meaningful way.
1: Yeah, very, very uh, great um, material to tell stories like that. You've got a genealogist on your comms team, which is fascinating and really interesting. And you told a story around the holidays with Rob Lowe and his family as well. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that, about connecting with their ancestors?
0: We have um, the communications team at Ancestry... Uh, is has really uh, the great uh, pleasure of having our corporate genealogist Krista Cowan, who um, is really a critical part of of our media relations our storytelling, and every story that we tell every media person that we meet with she gets a few minutes to talk to that person about their own family history. So we try and and do some of that research before we sit down with a journalist so that we can really bring the benefits of the product to life. Um, And over the holidays, which is a, a really important time for us as a business from Thanksgiving through actually January, when people are really focused on family and spending time with family, talking over the dinner at Thanksgiving this year, virtually. Um, but as people were apart, we focused on how do we bring people together? And, um, we did an amazing campaign with, uh, Rob Lowe and his two sons. They connected with a a distant cousin, um, through the ancestry platform. And, you know, what he said or what Rob Lowe said and what really resonated with us is this idea is that genealogy and, and, Finding and sharing your family stories as the new campfire. And I thought that was a really eloquent way of talking about the impact sharing your stories with your family has um, to, you know, f- really contextualize um, history and how your family lived through difficult times. Um, and so we were really proud of, of that work.
1: Yeah, and I think the focus on family has been even more f- exacerbated by the COVID pandemic and the lockdown, hasn't it? Because people are spending so much time together and getting closer and also have a bit, <laughs> a bit more time to spend together. And you, you've seen tremendous growth in lockdown, um, in uh, access to the dot com services.
0: We have. There has been a real... Uh... Tailwind in 2020 for the business. We have seen uh, growth in our subscribers in all 10 of the 10 markets where we operate. And I think it just reflects that people in times of great uncertainty um, are regrounding themselves in their family and their family stories. And we learn a lot by understanding what our ancestors. you know overcame the challenges as well as the triumphs, and finding strength in that I think gives us you know the opportunity to have perspective
1: yeah for sure and um tell us a bit about um some of the stories do throw up facts that maybe families don 't always want to find out about you know we've all we 've all got stories in our own families, i think anecdotally of you know maybe the the, the, uh, an uncle who who who, who spent a, a lot of time around, or whatever, you know, you know what I'm talking about. How do you sort of navigate that? Because I I even know some people who are like a little bit nervous about you know taking one of the tests because yes. of what they might find out. So how do you kind of message around that?
0: Yeah, I think um, you know unexpected discoveries is about yourself and your family. Your your uh, origins through your DNA and also your family history is part of what the the company manages through. It's something we believe truly uh, based on all of the customer feedback we get as well. Some of those um, are surprising and unexpected. Ultimately, um, those journeys of discovery become empowering and so many times someone learns something and they say to us i knew that there was something about this or i felt it and to have that validated for them is often just a relief because they've been carrying around this doubt i think that it is per- particularly now as more and more people come to the platform and we extend you know well beyond kind of our core user which is tends to be, you know, um, women, more likely women who are their family historians in their 40s, 50s, 60s, who are, have the time to do genealogy. As more uh, millennials and young people come to the platform, they're looking for kind of shorter, smaller, snackable insights about their family. And that's, you know, we're adapting the product to, to meet those needs um and enable people to just f- make those discoveries faster and easier
1: yeah my dad was a genealogist and uh he used to do it all manually yeah, so, so he used to spend his time <laughs> at the national records offices and traveling around researching but it, it was a very different profession now you can do it now you can do a lot of it from your desktop so a lot of new people have come into it and uh, i'm sure you're yep. your benefit well you're you're facilitating that just to finish up um you work closely with Weber on railroad ties, but you did change your agency, AOR agency, back uh, last year to Zeno. Mm-hmm. What was it about Zeno that sort of uh, attracted you and made you want to make that change?
0: We did a, an RFP at the, uh, for uh, agency for starting it in 2020. So we've been with Zeno for a year. And, you know, what really impressed us about uh, Zeno is just how How creative they are, how strategic, how aligned they were for the company um, and our values, and how we think about doing this data driven storytelling and and reaching consumers in a really integrated way with our marketing team, uh, they have been an incredible partner for us this year um, and you know I think together we have really um, upped our game and thought about how do we add value to consumers in this time when, when so many things are different? Um, you know, one of the best examples of that that comes to mind is um, back at, in May, we did a, a Memorial Day Parade of Heroes. And it was really the first at the time of its kind. Now, there's been lots of virtual gatherings, and we're going to see that uh, at the inauguration coming up uh, with entertainment and celebrities and reflections. And so um, it was a way to honor um, those who have made the ultimate sacrifice for the the country and to honor them, um, but also to bring people together. And I think that's, you know, as a brand, Ancestry is focused on bringing families closer together and it was, I think, really on brand and authentic for us. And Zeno is really dialed into that.
1: Got it. Yeah. Uh, looking,
0: you know, that thought.
1: Yeah, look forward to seeing how how, how your activations play out for the rest of the year. And thanks for joining us. We'll get your input on some of the news stories. But Frank, as we said, really busy week, uh, led off by the Edelman Trust Barometer, which normally would be unveiled at Davos, the World Economic Forum, but clearly Davos is not happening uh, in Switzerland this year. So they did the launch um, in a virtual environment. What were the big findings and the big takeaways?
2: The big finding is that over the past year, Uh, The COVID-19 pandemic has really dragged down trust in all kinds of institutions, and that includes government, uh, private business, uh, and the media. And this is a survey that talks to tens of thousands of respondents around the world, and less than 60% of people uh, said that they trust business to do the right thing. And the same thing for government and 56% for NGOs, which is a relatively low number. Uh, asked about the media it drops below 50% to you know 47% says the media uh, has been doing well uh during the pandemic so those are those are not great takeaways, and they're a drop from early in the year when trust was actually rising in the spring before the uh, COVID nineteen pandemic really kicked in in the U.S. Some other findings are just that the you know trust in the U.S. government, trust in the Chinese government, is very low because of both governments' handling uh, of the crisis and. Um, Edelman assembled a really impressive group of execs the next day for a a virtual panel. Like you said, it's the sort of thing that might happen in person at Davos or something like that. Um, But they did it online this year. And, um, you know, like Ruth Porat, the CFO of Alphabet and of Google, um, just, just talking about the the profound drop in trust, you know, whether it's the U S government or business, uh, and things like that this year, and her company, you know, has a unique perspective, seeing these things happen in searches and in real time and then and online. So, some really interesting perspectives from her, from Derek Johnson, the NAACP president and CEO, and some others.
1: Yeah, it was interesting seeing what Google's done since we spoke to Corey Debrower last week. They've actually. Uh, taken President Trump's uh, channel down, haven't they? And made some moves on YouTube for sure. Julie, uh, you know when you're communicating in this environment, and and your brand is operating in this environment of such a, a decline in trust, and nobody really knows what the truth is. How do you how do you navigate that? And and what can business do to to really try and reinstate it? Because it's a real social problem, isn't it? Uh, that that's not going to go away either.
0: No, I, I it is. I think uh, here to stay for some time. I think it was interesting from the report that, you know, people still see their employer as a mainstay in, as a, and trust or as a trusted source. And I just think that it really puts um, more onus on uh, communications leaders in the business to think about the role the company plays Um, for employees the role the CEO plays both internally and externally continues to evolve expectations for that Um, and you know I I think also consumers have you know more and more expectation that the company is not only responding with actions not just words um,
1: yeah so it's another it's another it's another element isn't it about this employee engagement piece and and the role that yeah. the businesses have to play on that front, because everybody, you know, most people do work for, for companies and uh, and um, just getting this messaging across of uh, decency and being able to communicate each, each other, even if you have different views and you're in different parts of the country or you might have different politics, somehow we've got to get back to a, a, a more congenial social discourse and it's not going to be easy, judging by the events of the last uh, last uh, few months
0: yeah i think employers do have the opportunity to be conveners and and facilitate open dialogues with employees and create a safe space for that
2: yeah
1: okay yeah for sure frank um so in light of this all that's going on the inauguration next week is clearly going to be highly charged we saw what happened last wednesday we discussed that in depth on last week's show the authorities have really clamped down. Not before time. Some say they might. They should have done a bit more before, beforehand. But it's going to be hopefully a, a much more secure week and event. But um, tell us a bit about how corporations and brands have responded to the inauguration, and also about this inauguration campaign that Pumpkin Pumpkin Pet Insurance is doing. Is this is this wise, or is it actually inspired?
2: I like where they are going with this. The companies behind it, again, are Pumpkin Pet Insurance and the Delaware Humane Association. Uh, And the key of this is a virtual fundraising event on January 17th. Now, the star of this is uh, Major Biden, who is due to be the uh, first dog, as it were. Uh, he's He's a German Shepherd. Uh, And he is also an adopted shelter pet. And he is believed to be the first shelter pet that is going to make his way to the White House. So I guess congratulations to Major as well. Um, But, you know, I think this is a cute idea. It's a good idea. Um, First of all, I think we we all know everybody loves pets and people love pets in marketing campaigns. Uh, But this is a good way to tie a company and an organization, a nonprofit, to Uh, An event that's, you know, largely virtual this year, like the inauguration is going to be. And so I think it's smart, but I think it was also smart the way that they temporarily paused media relations around this campaign when last Wednesday's events really started to roll out. And it was clear that, uh, you know, this was not the kind of day that you wanted to be actively pitching a product. Um, According to them, though, it still went viral on Twitter on Reddit and other types of social media and traditional media. And they have received nearly 700 applications for the, quote, secretary of rescue dogs position that uh, Major will supposedly be instituting. So I, I think it's worked for them as long as they uh, they're just going to have to stay really nimble around, um, you know, things that are happening in the news site.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um Julie, you, when you're doing social media stuff, you've got to be so careful, haven't you, in the way you activate and you've got to keep a constant eye on it and react to events. So how do you do that? Do you work in close consort with your marketing teams as well? In, and obviously the comms team takes a lead role on that as well.
0: Yeah, I, I think that I think it's a smart idea, certainly congruent with their brand and, and what they hope to achieve. And, and it gives them a, a moment Um, but yeah, I, I think that everyone now has taken a step back about their social media presence when they weigh in, when they step back, um, ancestry, like most other brands last week stopped everything, all our social earned social performance media, all of that. I think, um, as, as the world continues to, have these incredible and unprecedented events, um, brands jumping up on the, in on that is, for me is, is super tricky and need to be very, very thoughtful about. If you choose to do that um, and understand, you know, the risks and the potential outcome for the company.
1: Yeah, for sure. You've got to tread very carefully, um, Frank. And that took, uh, were there any other corporate and brand responses that really caught your eye? I mean, a lot of companies have been distancing themselves from President Trump, haven't they? Um, and campaign uh, donations to all parties have been under scrutiny.
2: It, it really has, not like, there are so many companies at this point, and, and largely in and, you know technology. Where you see, uh, you know, even companies like Snapchat, which really isn't that well thought of as, a, you know, presidential communications tool, are, are stepping back from allowing Trump to operate on the platform. And I do think it's it's had an impact because I think if you look at the statements and the videos that he's released over the past week, they are, uh, you know, they're they're a bit chastened. And so, yeah, I, I do think the technology companies and the social media companies have had an impact by uh by banning him from, from his accounts. Um, I I think we all have an eye on how the inauguration folds out and all the news events around it. I mean, it's interesting today, a lot of plans for the virtual inauguration came out with, um, you know, Lady Gaga singing the national anthem um, and things like that. So I I, I think that it it, like, like the conventions this last summer, it's we'll see how this is going to roll out virtually as opposed to in person.
1: Yeah, uh, and a a bit more levity would be nice compared to last Wednesday. Let's hope there's no repeat of those incidents um, around either in D.C. or around the country. But uh, um, yeah, it will be a historical day for sure and a very high profile day. Another obviously massive um, theme of the last year and especially uh, the start of 2021 is the vaccines and rollout. So there's been a few campaigns around that, Frank, including, including one from Pfizer, that so uh, we wrote about this week
2: yeah let's highlight this one and i this is another campaign also the uh the indauguration campaign both of them were worked on by deni von Mufflin communications so uh kudos to them on both of these i think this is a really necessary campaign uh they're working with pfizer and biotech on a psa effort uh to boost public confidence about COVID-19 vaccines. And and they're approaching this from sort of an emotional angle uh, and showing off people whose lives were changed by other types of vaccines uh, in the PSA, instead of uh, coming at it from like a real data-focused angle. And I I think that's smart. It's an emotional issue. Let's face it, everybody's had a long year uh, dealing with this virus. So I think that's an effective way of doing it. And I think that these public facing campaigns encouraging people to take the vaccine and letting them know it's safe. They're going to be really important over the next couple of months.
1: Absolutely. Definitely totally agree. Yeah. Yeah. Julie, um, even the physical way you do the ancestry test by providing a sample, clearly, you know, we, there's heightened awareness of everything relating to our uh, breathing, to wearing masks, et cetera. Has, has that been a, something you've had to communicate around at all to people in terms of the way they send the samples in and the safety of it and all that sort of stuff?
0: Uh, you know, interestingly enough, at the beginning of the pandemic, we had a lot of questions about whether or not um, our kit could be used for testing. We provided kits for free. Uh, to a number of uh, universities and research organizations. And, you know, it just wasn't ideal for, um, for testing. Mm-hmm. What we, um, and then we got some questions just about, you know, is it safe? Um, and so, but it was small. I think as, as the time wore on, what we found was just that there was so much energy in our community for what can we do to help. And, and really, in response to that, we launched um, a, a COVID-19 research study, gave our 18 million uh, people in our DNA network the opportunity to opt in uh, on a COVID research study. We've had now 800,000 participants, and that we're sharing those research findings, um, and you know, it is fueling... Research and therapeutic research, and hopefully, you know, additional insights about COVID and and who gets it and why.
1: Incredibly valuable yeah. global sample, won't it? And certainly will bear a lot of close analysis. So that's uh, that's good to hear. Mm-hmm. Frank, the PRSA has finally got a new CEO. Hang out the flags. Tell us all about <laughs> it. It's taken a while, hasn't
2: it? That's right. It's uh, and the new CEO is Linda Thomas Brooks. Uh, this has been a very lengthy search and recruitment pre- uh, process. It's been about. It's been more than a year and a half, um, and she is taking over from Philip Bonaventura, who is the organization's CFO, but was also operating as CEO uh on an interim basis. Um yeah, so you know, she's got a lot of challenges when she starts. Uh PRSA, and I, and look, this is the sort of thing that happens during a pandemic. He has almost two thousand fewer members in twenty twenty compared to twenty nineteen. Uh more than a thousand fewer student members. So, you know, as we all recover and move forward uh from the pandemic knock on wood, um, you know, she's gonna have a work cut out for her.
1: Yes, she is, and there's a lot of noise on social media around the PRSA. Not all of it uh, positive. I think it's fair to say, and we've spoken about that on previous shows. Um, but uh, yeah, one of the things is they don't, didn't, weren't able to do their big in-person conference, which I think was good, was a good revenue generator. So, and as you said, they've had a bit of a decline in membership. So, is that causing um, uh, operational problems in terms of finances?
2: That that could be one part of it. I think that if you look at their numbers, uh, the total income uh, was seven point one million. So that's down thirty nine point one percent. So if you do connect the dots, yeah, that would that would seem to be the main reason, as they are pulling in less dues uh, and less student dues than uh, in twenty nineteen.
1: Yeah, so it'll be interesting to see how Linda tackles those tasks, and we wish her well. And uh, I'd like to see her take a more public-facing role than maybe the last. Obviously, the temporary CEO that was different, but uh, I, do, I do personally think the CEO should take an active communications role, uh, outward-facing, as given that they are, you know, the outward-facing face of the uh, biggest PR. Trade body in the country, but uh, yeah, good luck to Linda. We do do genuinely wish her well. Um, a few more interesting people moves this week, start of the year stuff. Frank, really interesting stuff. Tell us about them.
2: Uh, Alan Sexton has been promoted to the top communications role at Prudential Financial. Um, he is uh, reporting up to Vice Chair Rob Felzone. He's responsible for uh, you know leveraging the company's brand, its famous logo, all of those things, and its reputation around the world. He replaces. Lauren Day, who left Prudential uh, earlier this month to explore other opportunities. And there's a new global chairman at Dolan, as Ellen Ryan Marduk steps into that role, replaced Fred Cook, uh, who is going to move over to the role of chairman in Meredith. Uh, those are effective on January one.
1: Yeah, some interesting moves there. It's good to see Shannon back in the industry. Some of you might have known her better as Shannon Stubo, her her maiden name, back in the day. And uh, she was at uh, LinkedIn and Instrumental when that was acquired by... um, uh, Microsoft. And I think she was at Yahoo and various other places. Very well known in the Valley and uh, and are very well regarded. And good to see her back in the sector. And uh, just finally, Frank, there's a big review at Phillips, um, which um, will get uh, people's agencies' ears pricked up, I guess. Yes, it will.
2: Uh, The the Dutch multinational electronics company kicking off a $300 million global agency review. It's integrated, of course. So uh, that's going to be across creative communications and other marketing services. There are at least four global holding companies uh, participating, including IPG, Tetsu, and WPP.
1: Great stuff. Thank you, Frank. And uh, thank you, Julie. Thanks for joining us on the show. It's uh, been terrific to find out about Ancestry and really looking forward to what's going to be a fascinating year for you, I think, as a business and for the whole country and and really eager to see what you do next on the comms and marketing front.
0: Well, thank you so much for having me today.
1: It's a pleasure. Just a few notices to end with. We have launched the... uh, form for submissions for our annual agency business report that's the biggest review of the sector so do look out for that if you don't receive the form uh, go to abr at prweek.com send a note in and we'll get that sent to you the brand film awards launched this week we're very excited to have jeffrey whips who's vp brand marketing at google as our chair of jury and jeffrey is a veteran of Apple as well and many other really high profile agencies and brands so he's going to add a lot of value to our brand film awards this year dashboard is the uh, dashboard 25 is the list of the top movers and shakers in the comms tech industry you have one day left to get your submission in for that so please do make sure that you've uh, you've made your case for that the hall of fame the First deadline for that is the 20th of January and uh, that's uh, next week so look out for that there is a there is a late deadline but the first deadline is the 20th and then the global awards uh, we've had the first deadline for those you've got until the 27th of January to get your uh, entries in for that so do to um, to make sure you've got your best global work lined up for that but that's all we've got time for we'll see you next time on the PR week
0: Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the PR Week. To find more episodes, visit PRWeek.com.